0: As I mentioned earlier, before we get started in the jumping into our time in the Word of God, we're going to take some time to just pray, to just uh, pray together as a community to intercede for our country, for our world as well. And these are just a couple of passages that have been on my heart and that I've been praying throughout this week and that I'd like to share with you and welcome you to have them be your prayers as well. But Do that or in whatever way that the Lord moves you. So the first is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, verse 10, that tells us this. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So this week, as I mentioned at the opening of the service, really has been a a week that's been devastating, that we've been grieving, that we've been praying, especially on behalf of all of those who lost their lives and the families that are mourning in this season. It's been a week where everything does feel upside down, and we see evidence that there is something broken, that things are not as they ought to be. Yet we come together here as a community to remind one another that we can find refuge, we can find peace amidst chaos, amidst disorder, amidst loss, amidst death, amidst grief. We can find refuge in the presence of God. So really, In in times like this, there aren't many words and there aren't many words to to say, but we can pray, we can remember, we can intercede on behalf of those who are grieving. We can cry out even as it says in the Psalms, Lord, hear, hear our cries. And he hears the cries of the brokenhearted. We can cry out, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And together as a community, we can intercede on behalf of families who have lost your loved ones in uvalde in buffalo in california even in, uh, a couple of weeks ago as well and right now just before we jump into our time of of uh of being in the word of god we're going to entrust all of these circumstances and especially people people created in the image of god we're going to entrust them into the hands of the living god and we're called to pray and then also remember as the people of God prayer is the first action the driving action and the final action as well Romans 12:15 rem- and 14 remind us of this of how we can live our love out in action and the very first action according to the scriptures in Romans 12:15 is to mourn with those who mourn to grieve with those who grieve So it's not to try to prove some kind of this or some kind of that, but it's first to mourn, to sit with, and to grieve with those who grieve. And then it also says in verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. So love in action begins first with those steps, mourning with those who mourn, living in harmony with one another, and not being proud. That's where we start. And then we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in our next faithful step. We mourn with those who mourn, again, in Evaldi, in Buffalo, in Orange County. And we're praying together. We're praying that God would move us. He made each one of us uniquely and wonderfully made with uh, specific gifts, personality, abilities, to move to be the hands and feet of Jesus according to the way that God has fearfully and wonderfully made you so right now we're going to pray and it's completely okay we it's a family sunday so we have children in the sanctuary with us and we're grateful for that children are always welcome here in the house of god but we're just going to take some time before we jump into the scripture and our time together to just pray to pray on behalf we 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 fight for this broken world on our knees and we grieve with those who grieve so we're going to pray and have some of this time of prayer uh, for a few moments and then I'll bring us back together in, uh, in a few moments to open up the word of God and enter into the message together. So right now, just as you are right where you are, what do you need to lay down? Intercede on behalf of our country, intercede on behalf of our state, especially on behalf of those grieving. How can we live love in action? By grieving with those who grieve this morning so right where we are let's go ahead and take some time to pray pray for everything that's been stirring up in you throughout this week and let's lay it all before the presence of god each one of us is beloved by god and each one of us is welcomed into his presence so let's just go ahead and take a moment to pray and then i'll bring us back together let's pray Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Help us, Lord God, to continue to be your presence, your hands, your feet, Lord, in this world that so desperately needs you, God. Lord, you hear the cries of your people, Lord, and in your presence, you are the one who wipes all tears away, Lord. And for that, Lord, we're grateful for the living hope that we have in the resurrection, Lord God, knowing that all life all creation, all precious life comes back to you, Jesus. Comes back to you, O God, and you will be God to them. You will be gracious, you will be merciful. You will be the God who can be trusted, Lord God, and right now we trust you in the midst of all of that, God. We lift you up, God, and we surrender all of this up to you in the faithful name of Jesus, Lord God. God, move us, Lord, to be your reflectors wherever we are through our lives, our words, and our actions. Thank you, God. We lift all this up to you, God. And we pray, Lord, also for those within our congregation that are navigating a uh, loss or sickness, Lord God, and that you would be their healer, that your hand of healing would be over them, Lord. We think of those that have um, operation dates coming up, Lord God, or are are uh, navigating, Lord, um, a number of different uh, matters within their life. Would you be their hand of healing, Lord God, and great physician? We trust you, Lord God. And God, again, we pray that even with uh, what we're sitting with this week, Lord, would prayer be the first action that moves us into action, Lord God, um, according to, to your call in our lives, Lord. And may it be, Lord, the, the first driving and final action, Lord, that sustains us. We love you, Lord God, and we just uh, pray and lay all this down to you today. In the faithful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, um, we're going to continue now through our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 21, verses 6 to 12. La escritura de hoy va a ser del libro de Hechos, capítulo 21, versículos 6 al 12. Um, And you can go ahead and follow along in your Bibles. Uh, So it'll be uh, verses 6 to 16. And uh, it says the following, Acts 21, verses 6 to 16, beginning at verse 6. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at... Ptolemais, where we were greeted, where we greeted the brothers and the sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, coming over to us. He took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said the holy spirit says in this way the jewish leaders in jerusalem will bind the owner of the belt and will hand him over to the gentiles when we heard this we and the people were there pleaded with paul not to go up to jerusalem then paul answered why are you weeping and breaking my heart i am ready not only to be bound but also to die in jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. Let's pray. Gracious and living God, right now we just acknowledge that we're all coming from different places and in different spaces, Lord, today. But the one thing that we're doing all in common today is we're drawing near to you. So for some of us, Lord, just as Peter, it's because we have nowhere else to go, Lord. You are our only living hope. That is true, God, for each one of us here. We acknowledge, Lord God, just again that we don't have all of the answers. We can't fix everything, Lord. We don't have all of the immediate and quick decisions, Lord God, but we can look to you, God. We can fix our eyes on you, and that's what we're doing, Lord. When we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you, God. Guide us by your word, Lord, this morning. Speak to us in a way that is fresh and clear, Lord, that our hearts and our minds may be open to know your truth and your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Amen. Well, um, it's really good to be with everyone again this week. I missed you all last week. I uh, got to be with um, one of our, with our partner church, Sunrise Community Church over in Tulare. And they all send their love and their greetings. And uh, I, I understand it was a wonderful time here with our brother Greg as well and uh, we're just so grateful that we get to be together in mission as the family of god and one of the themes that we've been talking about um, is uh, spiritual maturity and also multiplication while i was at sunrise last week we talked about multiplication and um, also just got to share and i ask you for your prayers as well that um, we're experiencing growth and multiplication in a number of different ways But even in our own family, um, we're expecting our third child now in just about three weeks. So please be praying, especially for Charlotte as a trooper and uh, for us to just navigate this season together. And we're so grateful that we get to do it with the family of God together. So please be praying for us as we welcome our third child. Um, and, uh, And we just look forward to all that God is going to do in this next season. So we've been in the book of Ephesians, but uh, this time we're actually looking at the book of Acts very briefly and really just talking about how we can discern decisions in a mature way, how we can discern the will of God, how we can discern uh, choices, not just according to our will, but according to God's will and in a way that is spiritually mature as opposed to immature. That's what we've been talking about these past few weeks, this past month together, that part of being in Christ and being in this journey with God, the goal is not just to grow old, but to grow up, to grow up and reflect maturity in Christ. And um, here in the passage that we read today, we see a passage where the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, um, he's trying to make a choice, He's trying to discern a decision that's not an easy decision. Many of us have been there before where we, we have options in front of us, and we ask ourselves, Lord, what would be the wise way to go about this? What would be the mature way, the way that honors you? Now, in order to get clarity on, on what to do, first we're called to get clarity on who we are on who and whose we are. And in order to get clarity on where we're going, it's important to know where we came from. And together, as a community, as we're moving forward in this uh, movement of multiplication based on spiritual maturity, in order for that to happen, and um, there are five key steps that we've been talking about together over the past few weeks, five key steps that God takes us to- through in um in in these uh, journeys of maturity and these journeys of transformation, so the first step is awareness, right God makes us aware of that area of change and growth in our lives, and then He calls us to focus on that, to not just disregard it but to focus on it, and then the third step is to take action, take action toward that area of growth and transformation and change in our lives. And then the fourth step, and this is key, this is where um, real maturity occurs, from action to priority, when it becomes a priority, okay, this is who God is calling to me to be, this is what God is calling me to do, I will make that a priority in my life. I will no longer be passive, I will choose to be proactive because it's a priority. And then finally, the fifth step in, in uh, maturity is ownership when I now take ownership of God's call in my life, when I now take ownership of the movement of God through our church in our life where it's no longer their thing or God's thing, but it's my thing because God has called me to take ownership of this. So focus, action, priority, and ownership, that's all part of the call of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity has has different fruits, have has different ways that it tastes, and one way that it tastes is by being other-centered, other-centered disciples and other-centered church. That's part of our call here at Imago. We are an other-centered community, not just a building but a movement together, a church driven by this call, a call that focuses on developing disciples. That's our call here as a church, to develop disciples Our goal, our call, our end in mind is not just to put on an an event that people can come to, although that is an important part of worship. We gather in order to be built up, then sent out, and to multiply that. But our call here at Imago is to be a community, a body of believers, a movement that develops disciples. That's part of our call. That's part of legacy whenever we're discerning choices, whenever we're discerning um, decisions in our lives, we don't only have to think about what would be the best fit right now, but every choice, every decision, eventually becomes a story, a story to tell. So I've learned to ask myself in discerning a choice, not only what should I do right now, but what legacy do I want to leave? Which story do I want to tell about this decision because all decisions, all choices will eventually be stories that we tell down the line. And here at Imago, we're a community gathered in worship in order that we may be sent as witnesses of the gospel. We ourselves are not the story, but we tell a greater story because we don't exist just for ourselves. We witness to the eternal story of God's salvation for all of humanity in Christ Jesus. We serve a God who sends. In fact, we see this sending nature and developing nature in the the nature of God in the Trinity. The Father sends the Son to save us. The Son sent the Holy Spirit to equip and empower us. And the Holy Spirit sends us, you, me, God's people to proclaim and live out the gospel, we worship a sending God. And Jesus will equip us with everything that we need in order to be sent and to mature and to multiply. Jesucristo nos va a equipar con todo lo que necesitamos para madurar en Cristo. Now maturity is about fruit. Maturity, spiritual maturity, is not just about quick results results but about eternal fruit. So the work that God is doing in your life, the work that God is doing in our lives as a church, as a community, is not just based on quick results, on quick fix solutions, but on eternal fruit. And when God's working in you and stirring in you and growing you and developing you for the sake of eternal fruit, it'll take time, it'll take patience, It'll take resilience, but God is doing something beautiful, something that you wouldn't even uh, believe if he were to tell you the work that he is doing in and through you, in and through us. He is doing extraordinary things with ordinary people. That's who God is, and that's what God does. God does extraordinary things with ordinary people like you and me with us God will be faithful in our community decisions, and he will also be faithful in our individual decisions. Together as a community, we're discerning who is God calling us to be and who is God calling, what is God calling us to do in this next season of ministry. Maybe you're asking the same thing in your own life, in your own journey with God, in your own season of life. God, who are you calling me me to be and what are you calling me to do? In this passage, there are all kinds of of, uh, decisions to make. Paul is discerning whether or not to go to Jerusalem. And there are three main characters involved here. There's Paul, there's Agabus, who is this prophet who who is uh, trying to discern with Paul the will of God. And, um, and he's trying to d- and, uh, discern what he ought to do, what the community ought to do. And then there's the, the, the crowd, the community around them trying to in- inspire and sway the decision in one way or another. So there are three views on the will of God. There are three views, uh, views on choices to make here in this passage. And then there are three different decisions to make. Like I mentioned, Paul is wanting to go to, to Jerusalem Agabus, who's a bit of an odd prophet here, he uses this dramatic action to show Paul what will happen to him if he goes to Jerusalem, and then the people that are all around in this scenario. At face value, these three groups, the people, Agabus, Paul, they may not all seem that different because they're all trying to do the same thing. They are trying to get clarity on a decision. Not only that, they're trying to get clarity on a decision that aligns with God's will and purposes. Paul here is in the middle of making a big decision, a big decision that could literally mean life or death for him. In this scene we, in this scene that we read about here in Acts 21, it's what's, what feels like a fork in the road. Some of us have been there before a fork in the road where it's the closing of one chapter and the beginning of another. Life is constantly moving and it moves pretty fast sometimes. So it's not difficult for us sometimes to come to a point of a decision-making crisis. That's what we read here in this passage. It's a moment of decision, of indecision, of crisis. Now, indecision can set the tone for disagreement and even confusion, which is what we see here on this scene on the beach. Agabus and Paul, they're arguing back and forth. The people around them are making a lot of noise. There are a lot of opinions about what what Paul ought to do and not do in this situation. There's even a lot of religious language, but still there's no clear decision at first. And what's the truest part of moments like this in our lives? When we run into what is a decision making crisis, the truest part about our indecision is that our crisis in decision making reveals our insecurity. And the truth is that we're all insecure, we just navigate it in different ways. Insecurity is uncomfortable because we know we are not in control when we're insecure. We know we're not in control when we don't know immediately what to do. So sometimes what do we do? We make a quick, hasty, foolish decision or just a plain bad decision. I've been there before. Anyone else with me? Haste makes waste. And I've found that to be a formula for a bad decision. Making it quick and alone. But God calls us to make spiritually mature decisions, which is what we're learning about today. And it requires growth, attention, surrender, yielding to the Lord. Difficult decision-making will reveal our insecurities and our lack of control. Paul, who in this passage has this crisis with which direction to go, should he stay or should he go? He's not exactly sure. Paul is in the thick of it. He's wondering, should I listen to the prophet Agabus, the so-called expert, or should I listen to the people around me pressuring me in a particular decision? How many of you have experienced a crisis in decision-making for yourself, for your family, for others? How many of you have been like Agabus, the one trying to influence a decision to go your way instead of God's way? That's exactly what's going on in this passage. Paul here perhaps feels as if he's being pushed up against a wall, like everything's just closing in on him. He has very little energy left in this situation, in this crisis, because everyone is an expert on his situation. Everyone has their two cents. Who's been there before? You're going through it, but everyone's an expert everyone has an opinion. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. Decisions. We've all been there before. Friends, brothers, sisters, I want you to hear these words. Escuchen estas palabras. It is only the power of our living Lord Jesus Christ that goes beyond information that goes beyond inspiration, but he is the one who leads us to transformation in our decision-making and in our choices. When Paul here gets clarity on the decision, when he takes a moment and he stops hearing just the information that Agabus has for him or the inspiration and pressure that the people around him are placing on him, but when Paul takes a moment to place Jesus at the center of his decision-making process, that's when Paul gets clarity. When Christ is at the center, that's what leads to transformative decision-making. It says here in uh, chapter 21, verse 12, um, it, it says that when we heard of this, we'll read 12 and 13, when we heard of this, we, we and the people were pleaded, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul made the decision that will impact all other decisions. And his decision is this I will trust Jesus no matter what. I will follow Jesus, no matter what. Come what may come, I will follow him, no matter what. What if that's the key to spiritually mature decisions? What if the major decision that impacts all other decisions in our lives is the decision that Paul made there on the beach and that we're invited to make today? the decision for you to say, today I will follow Jesus no matter what. I will trust him no matter what. As Paul says, I am willing to die for the Lord Jesus. I'm finishing up in my personal uh, devotion, the book of Job. Which it even says, though he slay me, I will follow. That's just more language for I will trust him no matter what. Pase lo que pase, voy a confiar en Cristo. No matter if things don't go my way, I will follow him. No matter if what people say, I will trust him. No matter what that internal critic, that internal voice inside me says, I will follow Jesus. No matter what Satan says the accuser, the liar, the murderer tries to convince me of, I will follow Jesus. No matter what the past may have been, no matter what the future may hold, I will follow him no matter what. We're a no matter what community. We'll hold on to Christ, we'll hold on to Jesus, come what may come, no matter what. And that's the invitation that God gives us today. Friends, brothers, sisters, we gain life when we give it away. We gain sur- strength when we surrender. For you today, what do you need to surrender? Is it your time? Is it your finances? Is it your, um, the influences or influencers in your life? What do you need to give up in order to gain in this season, in order to grow because that's the truth. We experience abundance in these areas of our lives, whether it's financial stewardship or relationships, when we're generous. We gain energy when we are generous in our time, in our relationships with others. We gain wisdom and clarity when we let go of control and when we trust in Jesus. No matter what, we grow. We mature, we multiply when we become an other-centered, kingdom-minded church. That's who God calls us to be. The living Lord is committed to real people like you and me, real people that don't necessarily have it all together, but we have one thing clear, we trust in Jesus no matter what. That's who we are. That's the decision that informs all other decisions. People, we, you and I, Imago, we're created in the image of God, and that's part of the power of being created in the image of God. We have the power of choice, the power of decision. And here's the beautiful thing about decisions, and I've come to learn of this, and this is part of spiritual maturity in decision-making. God is not committed to a blueprint or to just some plan on paper. God is committed to you. He's committed to you. God will be faithful to you, even in your insecurity, even in your indecisiveness. Jesus will be faithful. He will make a way. That's part of the joy of being in Christ. And really, God is calling us to go to that next level, with Him, to trust in Him no matter what, to not just give in to the pressures, not just give in to the good advice, but to trust in Him. What is God calling you to let go of, and how is God calling you to trust in Him to the next level in this season of your life? What decision do you need to lay down and surrender before God? Because the truth is that our decisions can be a part of our witness. Our decisions can point to the glory of God. Paul here multiplied his faith and he passed it on and influenced others through his decisions. And it says here, again, what he based this decision on, what the basis of a spiritually mature decision is. It says in, uh, in verse 14, 21, 14, it says this, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and we said, the Lord's will be done. Friends, brothers, sisters, that's the attitude, that's the posture of spiritually mature decisions. Not my will, but your will be done. Not if you can, God, but if it be your will, and now align my heart, align my will with yours, God. And so we see here that that's the practice, the posture of real faith not my will, but your will. And the will of God is that we put Christ at the center of everything we do and of all of the decisions that we make, that Christ be the center and that trusting him no matter what may be the greater decision we make behind all other smaller decisions. Because the will of God is not so much like we think of it sometimes. Sometimes we can think of the will of God as God just like a puppeteer, right, up in heaven trying to like uh, make puppets uh, dance or whatnot or just a big guy with a white beard pulling levers and making this go that way or, or the other way. No, but actually the will of God, as I've grown to learn through the scriptures and even in my own journey of spiritual maturity, the will of God is a lot more like the love of a parent for a child, we can imagine this, right? A mother or father goes to an ice cream store and asks the child to choose a flavor. The will of the parent is to be with the child no matter what, to enjoy that time, to be in their presence. The parent is committed to the child and to simply be with them. The father or the mother in this scenario is, uh, is committed with uh, being with them. That's their will. That's the will of God. God. That's the will of God as the center of our lives. He is committed to being with you, to never leaving you or forsaking you, to being faithful no matter what. Now, if we keep in mind this scenario, this idea of the child in the parent with, with, uh, with the child in the ice cream store, what if the child completely misses the point of the will of the father or mother and is convinced that the will of the father or mother is to, is to get a specific kind of ice cream flavor? To choose. And they're very nervous about that. They obsess over which ice cream flavor to pick. They can't decide between strawberry or chocolate or these new flavors that exist. You know, my brother and I got to take this trip uh, about a week ago and we went into this very um, fancy ice cream shop. And, um, you know, I mentioned strawberry and chocolate and vanilla, but the options they had were actually some of these. They had caramel balsamic swirl ice cream, pumpkin gelato, brown butter bacon ice cream, cilantro lime ice cream. All I said was, I'll just have the vanilla, one scoop. We'll keep it simple. I'm not fancy with ice cream yet. But friends, brothers, sisters, God is committed to you as his child, as his beloved daughter, as his beloved son, and to simply be with you in the ups and the downs and the decisions of this life. The father, the parent, being with the child, that's the will of God our Father. Put Christ at the center May that be the decision behind every decision because that is the will of God in our lives. That's the will of God in your life. Don't become overly anxious about the ice cream flavor or the immediate decision because here's the truth that decision will come and go, and God will still be faithful. He will be with you because that's God's will to be at the center of your life as you do life with God. He will be with you. May your first choice be to believe in him and to believe him. All of our choices about God are really a response to God's choices about us. And that's the good news today. God has made a decision about us about his people, about his church, about his family. And it says this in the book of Jeremiah, God's decision about us. We can read it in in the projector or follow along in your Bibles, and we'll conclude with these passages. Jeremiah 7.23 says this, But I gave them this command, Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. And then Jeremiah 31, verse 33 tells us this. It says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel, with my people. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God has made a decision about you. That's the good news of the gospel. Our hope is not built only on our indecisiveness or our indecision, but in God's decision. And God has decided about you. God has decided, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's God's choice. Will we align with his choice? He is our God and He is committed to us. He is your God and He is committed to you. So even in our indecisiveness, in our anxiety, in our stress, in our brokenness, He will forever be faithful no matter what. Let's pray together. God, Great is your faithfulness. It's unlike anything that we can even compare or think of or imagine. Lord, pour out on us your spirit, Lord, of wisdom, of humility, of love. Help us, Lord God, to taste like you. Peace, patience, kindness, self-control, forbearance, Lord God. Help us to believe that your word is true. And as we go out from here, Lord, and there are many decisions that we have to make, may we be able, Lord, to practice spiritual maturity in our decisions and knowing, Lord, that there is one decision that impacts all other decisions. That's the decision that that says, I have decided to follow Jesus no matter what. And that beautiful decision is based on your choice, your decision on us, that you will be our God and we will be your people. Help us rest in you, in that truth, and that eternal reality today. Forgive us, Lord God, when we are so quick to forget. That's why we come together, Lord, every week to remind each other of that. As we go out from here, Lord, build us up as your people to reflect you in our lives, our words, and our actions, Lord God. Use us as your hands and feet. We pray all of this in your faithful name. Amen.